Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Terry Hale. Terry is a commercial real estate wealth trainer and an expert in commercial real estate investing, an author of educational curriculums, numerous trade and business magazine articles, and speaker at live events attended by up to 200,000 people. With over 20 years of real estate investing related marketing, training, and teaching experience, he's been featured on such radio broadcasts as CBS Radio and CNBC. In other words, he knows commercial real estate, but he also knows marketing. Today, we're going to do a deep dive into Terry's own marketing framework, which has been built around educational marketing that has become the backbone to his branding strategy and how he gets clients. We'll learn what works from Terry's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses and people just miss the mark. Terry, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Stacey. Such a pleasure to be here. So what I always like to do is start off by asking, what got you to the point you are, you know, this guru of commercial investing today? Right. So uh, being the fact that I'm a native Californian, you know, out here, uh, you know, it's uh, one of these places where you got to make money to survive. And it's a very expensive place, like many places around the nation, of course. So uh, I come from a, a long list of contractors who are swinging the hammer out here in the hot California sun and started uh, doing a ground up uh, development project for a very wealthy individual. And, you know, it wasn't so much the actual vehicle that he drove or the clothes that he wore or the jewelry that he had. It was the freedom and lifestyle and the, the security. And that's something that really I gravitated towards. So uh, asking that person for help and him becoming a mentor showed me some ways to get into commercial real estate. And uh, I started uh, working with this gentleman and working for this gentleman, supporting him in his, in his dreams and endeavors. And unfortunately, um, it, it brought me down the path of conventional wisdom of getting bank financing. And I did get my financial legs and everything was great. But uh, here shortly, Five years or so, uh, I went to a bank and uh, was all independent on my own. And they just told me, sorry, Terry, we like you, but we can't give you a loan. And so I asked why. They said, because your debt to income ratio, it's no good. You support too much debt, not enough income. And the reason for that, Stacey, is because I was buying using using a retail, uh, using just standard retail knowledge. I was not using non-conventional methodology. Where I, where I was at that point was I had to actually reverse engineer everything that I was doing. And so I started using different strategies and techniques, which brought me to where I'm at today. And they say there's riches and niches, and that's exactly what I did. And I've I've authored many books, self-published. We'll talk about this, the two best strategies to profit with commercial real estate. We'll talk about branding, like uh, wealth by design on my podcast. We'll get into all that. But that's just kind of a little overview, a quick little summary of how I got to where I am today. People really wanted to learn what it was that I was doing. And I got, I got introduced to this in, information marketer. And I always looked at the people in information marketing, like 
guys on late night TV and stuff. And I was like, well, I don't want to be that guy, you know, but Achieving. yes, <laughs> like a teacher, trainer, coach, mentor, like right. what's, what's all that. Right. And, and I think it was the judgment and uh, you know, but I was very confident what I was doing because I was negotiating millions of dollars worth of commercial real estate and tens of millions of dollars in, in, in commercial real estate for my past mentor. So, you know, I was very comfortable anyway. And I got pushed out onto a stage in front of thousands of people. And it was in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, this gentleman introduced me and because uh, I helped him negotiate this deal. And after that, he took a liking to me, um, flying around on his private plane and ended up co-authoring a book with him. Um, he showed me how to actually put together um, a manual. And this was back in the day, right? Where you had, I told everybody, I said, hey, my goal is for you to have an MBA. And they're like, what? Yeah, manual books and audios. That's what I'm selling you. <laughs> so I like I, that MBA. That means I, that's, I'm thoroughly MBA'd up then. Right? You yeah. and I both. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up really sharpening my, my, my skills by, by just really you know, immersing myself in, into, into the education platform. Because I wanted to make sure, Stacey, that if I was going to get out there and teach people something, that I could be able to be the best at what I was going to be doing like the best performer right so that was really important for me so that's interesting so you said you want to be the best performer so you know a lot of people think that they can just get up on stage and that they can speak and that's not really the case for everyone there is training there's practice there's you know honing the skill so how'd you go about that how did you you know become the best performer besides you know your natural proclivity to be that anyways i have a feeling yeah well, I mean, that's the thing. So, you know, um, I've, I've been around, um, I've been around celebrities, my, my, my pretty much my entire adult life. And, and so as I started moving forward and, and granted, I'm 25 years into this, right? So I do have a lot of skill set because I've been practicing. When I started off, I wasn't so great. So what I did was I started going to events and started watching people. I started looking at their mannerisms, how they're walking and talking and watched how they're performing. And, and it is a performance. It truly is. Um, I went to this one gentleman's performance. I'll never forget. Um, it was uh, at the Jacob Javits Center in New York. Uh, that's where I was living at the time. And uh, this is very early in my career. And I remember watching his talk. And he was telling a joke. And as he's telling the joke, he grabbed the water. And at that point, he took a sip of the water and put the water down. And I went and I watched him. I watched his performance the whole entire day. I went back as he was on it, you know, one, one like 11 o'clock, then like 2 o'clock, then like 4 o'clock. And I went to each one. He told the joke at the same exact time and took a sip of water at the same exact time. At that point, I realized that it was just a scripted pitch. And if you do it over and over again, you can get really good at it. Just like the same way actors do it. They study their script, they practice, and then they go and do it. And then obviously that comes with, with a little bit of, you know, got to be a little refined, but at that point, that's what I was doing. And, and, you know, um, I, I became a natural at it. I felt real comfortable in my skin. And there was a reason for that. And I give that credit to my wife, Lisa. And I've been with Lisa since 1999. And, and, and at that point, she, I was a little, a little shaky. And she came in and she said, Terry, there's one thing that you're forgetting. And I said, what's that? And she said, they need you more than you need them. Yeah. And it changed my world. Just yeah, that They're not looking for your flaws necessarily. They're actually just trying to learn from you. And then at that time, I stopped doing that same type of talk. And I started being Terry because, you know, 
if I'm if I'm the best at 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 who I am and what I do, I, I'm going to make a horrible somebody else, but I'll make a perfect me. And so once I realized that and I got comfortable with that, people started seeing me as a person and I started being more human and more real. And now I do, I do trainings um, every Tuesday and every Friday. We were just talking about before the call. I do Tuesday training and something called Deal Flow Friday. And I actually make live calls to brokers and sellers to my clients that are on the call live with me. And the reason why I do all of this is to show them that, hey, you know what? You, there, there's, there is room for error and get to the no as fast as possible so you can get to the yes. Do business with people that want to do business with you. You know, it's kind of like you can't sell something to someone that can't afford it kind of a way, right? You, you can only offer something to somebody that, that can actually accept it and that wants it. So that was all. Now, I tell our team all the time, like, I don't, a no is just as golden as a yes, because a no is going to save you time and allow you to move on and get past it. Like yep. just not hearing back. And, and you also, if you get a no, like in my business, you know that you've actually gotten a decision maker. Because up until that point, if they're not capable of saying no, maybe, possibly, or they're not getting back to you, or they're dancing around, you're not drilling down to someone who actually has the power of yes. Right. I agree, 100%. Yeah, I don't mind no's. Um, and, and a no just means, hey, you need more clarity. Yeah. You know? and, and so a lot of times people, people don't speak for purpose uh, exactly. They, they can ramble on and, and just kind of not just stay on what it is that they're offering. And sometimes people need to hear it multiple times. I'm sure you, you're obviously a marketing expert. So I'm not sure how many times you need to touch people before they say yes. But in, in my business, with, with regardless if it's brokers and sellers, or we can turn the, turn the table over to our marketing talk now, you know, dealing with clients, getting clients in the door. Um, I know you shared with me that a lot of your listeners, they're, they're in that space. So you know, getting clients and bringing new clients in, I got to touch these people quite often to keep their interest and, and really kind of just say what it is that I'm saying in multiple different ways, because everyone's personality is different. Some people learn differently. Some people hear things differently. So it's just about articulating what it is that you're saying and speak for purpose and clarity. And that's why you have books. Something's written. You have video, you have audio, you have all these different approaches so that you can appeal to the different ways people learn. Right. Correct. And so I know you obviously have built quite the brand. So for all of our listeners, you have to understand the first thing that happened when Terry and I connected um, right before we dialed in and and started recording away is he walked me around his office, uh, obviously through Zoom, uh, but to show me his brand, the business he is, who he is. And even behind him, you can see, you know, he is Terry Hale. That is who he is. It is his company. It is his podcast. It is on his doors. It is everywhere within there. So whom he is, it's on his cup. Yep, there too. You're not watching right now. It's on his cup too. So he has truly, you know, enveloped himself with his branding, his messaging, and it's become his core because his core is who he is. So it, what's outside is reflected inside and you keep on getting that experience with him. So that's part of building a brand, especially if you're doing so in a service business or where you're working with people where um, you are selling something that other people are buying in based on you as an individual. 100%. I couldn't have said it better myself, Stacey. I mean, it is so important that you identify, you know, who it is that you are. And, and so I, I set something up because, and I know that not everybody's got a visual here, but I'm going to excuse myself real quick and stand up and grab something because I want to show something to you. Although the artwork's great on this and all, and people were calling me the real deal for a very long time, 
But as you can see, certain marketing is good and certain marketing is better. And so you got to make sure that you hit it right. And this just went through kind of a, you know, a trial and error run. And uh, when I'm holding up, it says Real Deal Terry Hale. And it's got me with a podcast. And it's like more of like a cartoony kind of picture of me with dollar signs uh, all around. And it's not that it was, it was a, a bad design or a bad logo. It's just that you got to identify who it is that you want to be and that you want to, you know, represent as yourself. And so this here for me is something more along the lines of streamlined business. Um, someone that, that, that it reeks, you know, uh, attention. It's a little and classier. It's, classier. It's a little classier and higher edge. And what it is, it's like a silver circle um, with a black ring around it with his um, wealth by design and then his name, Terry Hale, in the middle. It's silver with a TH. So it's just more elegant than the other, which was the dollar signs in the cartoon. Right, exactly. And so that level of, of marketing and branding just brings who I am out, which is someone that, that's got a very high level of integrity um, and a, a lot of respect. And I feel I'm extremely polished. So this obviously look and feel is better for me than something else like that. Yeah. And you've probably changed your clientele based on that too, or you're honed in your, you know, your office is based in Malibu. You're looking at high end commercial investors you're not necessarily working with people who are as much so as your as your day to day starting out. Um, so it's just a little bit more of a polished clientele that you are catering to. Yeah, uh, noted as accredited investors for the most part um, versus people that are non accredited, and uh, that means they meet something called a three in one rule, and they have money. And so I take all the all the um, the guesswork out of it, and and that's something that's huge in marketing. So if you get out there and you say hey, you can learn my strategies and techniques that are non-conventional because I do teach seller financing where you don't have to use your own capital. But if I tell people, hey, you don't need any of your own money or capital, well, then I'm going to be attracting those people that don't have any money or capital. And that's not what I'm attracting. Yes. So, you know, I'm going after um, different, definitely going after different, uh, different clientele. Long yeah. sure. And <laughs> so you started off and you were speaking and, and you figured out that being you and being real was your core. And that was, you know, the best persona for you to be wearing because that's what people related to best. When did you start expending that out into, you know, the writing of the books, the, um, you know, the audio, the, all the different layers that I think you started with speaking and then extended from there. Or did you start with writing or did you start with, where did you start? Right. So I did start speaking. And so because of my success uh, and I was in the real estate seminar space and I met this information marketing genius who's done over $50 million in business, you know, flying around on private planes and everything um, that, that, you know, I gravitated towards that obviously. And so co-authoring um, a, a book, he actually sat me down. This was back when they actually have these recording devices that use something called um, tapes, if you remember. Tapes, like and, those things that would melt in your car if you left them in too long, those things? Yeah, or when they come out, you got to use the eraser to, to, to put, the, put the film back in. I was so, a devastated teenager at one point. I grew up in Texas and left my entire tape collection in my car and came oh, out to it melted. So mm, I have some memories. Right? Yeah. So, he sat down and we went through you know, um, a, a whole pack of these tapes. I believe there was like 12 tapes or whatever it was, a couple packs of them. And we, we, we talked through it. And this was kind of like the secret sauce behind the scenes. We talked through it and I thought we were going to be writing and we never wrote. It was, it was talking. And so now they have all kinds of dictation software and, you know, you can do it on your phone with Siri. Right. So, um, but 
back then what we did was we actually taped it and then we had it transcribed and then he went through it read through it and then he pulled information on topics out like he would say okay this topic and then we would talk about the topic so it was really interesting because when people are professional writers they write like they talk so it was really genius in that in that fashion um and then of course what we would do from there is we would create that manual uh, and then he would go and hold a four-day seminar. And so I learned how to do this. So I started doing it. So what I did was I made bullet points of my talk and I would actually, I, I, didn't, I didn't record it on a recorder. I would actually go and rent a hotel space. I put hundreds, if not thousands of people into a room and I would get up there and I would have an, an, an actual um, you know, projector and I would have slides and I would sit there and show some slides and then I would have the old school style projector. You'd have the, the, the film that would go under it and it would project it out. And I would sit there and I would train for four days, four full days. And I had somebody in the back recording it. And typically, you know, have two, three uh, video cameras on me and um, showing the audience, bringing people up, doing case studies, doing all this talk. And I would turn that into an audio set and also a video set, these things called DVDs. And so, Another and, thing that doesn't exist really anymore. No, my the, the the Mac I'm on right now doesn't even have a slot for it. The the Airbook, you know. But um, so I would I and we were kind of joking on our talk earlier about MBA, which stood for manuals, books, and audios. And uh, and at that point, how I would actually monetize that um, is uh, I would I would create. And I did uh, eight different events on eight different topics, you know, like one on, on storage, self-storage investing, one on multifamily investing, one on negotiations, um, you know, all, all these different topics and di different niche uh, trainings that I would teach, like seller financing, master lease, escalation of interest, cost subordination, all these different techniques. And I, I had eight, I had a mound of stuff and I, the, the printing bill was very expensive, but we would print all this stuff out on DVDs and CDs and have these, these, these materials and we'd shrink wrap them and we would sell the material at different events. So now what we would do is go around the nation and we would hold events and uh, we'd pack the house. Um, and I've shared the stage with all the big names, of course. And, um, and what we would do is we'd sell it for five grand and for $5,000, what do you get? You get all this material sent to you uh, along with uh, two tickets to a future event. And then at the future event, um, they would uh, come in. And then at that future event, uh, what I would do uh, is I would offer a high-end mentorship program. And that high-end mentorship program, um, I would teach them one-on-one -on -one exactly what it is that I do, where they don't ever have to even open up any of the manuals. And that was kind of the marketing that we were doing. And it worked great. And I did CBS radio, as you mentioned uh, in my intro. I did a lot of CBS radio. And what I would do at that CBS radio show is I'd actually pack the house. Uh, it's called a preview event. And um, it, was, it, was, it was a three to four hour preview event. And at that preview event, that's where I would actually sell the material and the two tickets to a four day event. So now people, the psychology of the human brain, like we just mentioned earlier, Stacey, is that people need to see you several times before they actually become a buyer. They have to be comfortable. They gotta trust you. And I always tell people, hey, to listen to me is to like me, to trust me is to do business with me. So it's a trust game. And that's exactly what marketing for me is all about. Anything that I put into publication, anytime that I'm speaking or training or doing live events, um, it's all about the trust game for me, is to get people to the point where they feel comfortable, that they want to move forward, and that has to come with massive amounts of credibility. Because if you can't show testimonials and proof of what it is that you're doing, people need to vet. And if they have, if you have one chance, their first impression, if you have one flaw, they're judgmental, 
and they can go the other way. And that goes in any line of business, regardless, regardless if it's commercial real estate or if you're selling marketing or you're selling media buys, whatever it is that you're selling. There's really no competition if you're on top of your game. Yeah, same thing with our agency, with product placement and influencers and celebrities. I mean, this is something that we started doing back in 2012, a little behind where you were, but I'm at 25 years also, same as you. I just learned the educational angle. I stumbled upon it, actually, um, and integrated. And, you know, that first year, you know, we were writing, I was writing like a blog a week. I'm like, I'm writing a blog a week. Great. Getting it done. And then it was going into two and then it was going to three and we're up to, you know, at least five plus and countless other that we do, but it built into, you know, 30,000 people who follow us now. And so what happens is when someone looks online and they're interested, we, you know, Hollywood brand is a very niche space. You know, we do pop culture partnerships. That's not for everyone, but if you're a brand that's looking for that, it is for you. And we're, we want to be Googleable and findable through SEO and all that blog, all that content, it you know not only allows us to be found when someone's searching for us, same thing as you with all everything that you're producing, but it establishes incredible expertise and trustworthiness because you know if you're sitting here and you're showing and you're painting and you're teaching and you're sharing your secrets of how someone can do something and make something work, it builds levels of trust like no other out there. It is the secret sauce to marketing today. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I look at some really great marketers that are out there. And what I do is I find out exactly who's doing their marketing. Because it's, it's not always just the person that's claiming as being the marketer, but who's, who's the person behind the curtain? Like, who is that? Who's, who's, who's pulling the strings? And um, I got in touch with a gentleman. His name's Richard. And uh, I hired him on. And I always say, hire the professionals. Let them do what they do best while you focus on what you do best. Like I consider myself a master negotiator, extremely polished speaker, trainer, coach, mentor. But when it comes to marketing and that type of stuff, I, I'm good putting content together because content's king and we push all types of, of videos and, and all that great stuff. And we got, we got funnels and all kinds of great stuff that's out there. But one of the things that, that I was lacking was the know-how to have, to be, to get more reach, right? To, to get more lift, and, and how do you do that? Like, what's the best? What's my secret sauce for that? I want to share it with all your listeners is when I got with Richard, Richard said, look, one thing that we need to do is keep it short and sweet straight to the point. We're going to create a full, complete funnel, an online funnel. That way, when anybody searches for you, they can go in many different ways. And when they go through the funnel, there's going to be not just an offer. It's going to be a goodwill approach. And we're going to get out there. We're going to offer content to people for free. And then just let them sign up for a strategy session to talk with you. Like, let's not sell anything. Like, that's, that's the best thing that someone can do is just give, give content, don't sell. And so, you know, I have people come to me that join my mentorship and they come and they join because I'm not selling them. It's not a hard sell. Nobody wants to be closed. Nobody wants to be pressured. So I put together a really, really compelling script that basically says, how long have you been interested in this for? You know, I put it back on them. You know, what do you want to accomplish? It's not about me. It's about them. They're seeking me because I'm the problem solver. And because I'm the problem solver, what I can do is bring that, that, that situation to get them to where they want to be. And, and, and for that reason, you know, um, people join without being closed. I, I don't close people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it changes the conversation when you don't have to sell. And where if you just want to give a quick 30 second recap of who you are, what you do, and then you just want to teach and help 
and educate and provide and lead people to the knowledge that they're asking for, it's mm-hmm. a total game changer in conversations. 100%. And, and another thing is these testimonials that I see a lot of these folks doing, you know, um, I, I don't, I just don't do testimonials. I just do case studies because testimonials to me, it's just not only have they always been a little cheesy, right? But you don't know if they're hired actors, but when you actually show a case study and you show a situation like this person came to me and, you know, here they are today and here's what they accomplished and this is how they did it. So you're telling them how they did it and what they did, right? Through action steps and people see themselves, you know, through their eyes, you know, and, and all of a sudden now it, it not only becomes believable because these are, these are real steps to success, but they feel like, hey, you know, I'm starting from that same position and now I can achieve it. Yeah, it makes it relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't feel like they actually have to be bazillionaires before they start working in commercial real estate investing. Yeah, and that's one thing. I mean, my niche is pretty tough compared to others. You know, people that are out there and maybe teaching the house buying business for somebody, that's, that's a lot easier relating it to real estate or, you know, anything else for that matter. You know, for me, um, you know, my job's pretty hard as far as, you know, sharing my strategies and techniques with people because someone who's just, you know, new to the business, uh, they, a lot of times they can't see it in their head that they can get out there and, you know, purchase, you know, a 300 unit self-storage facility that, that we can buy with seller financing at, you know, a million dollars and it could be worth 3 million and they can make themselves, you know, a couple million bucks. And that's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's a, it's a unique niche that I'm in. But when I work with folks that are our accredited investors, um, you know, it, it makes my life a lot easier by getting to those folks. And it's just about vetting your audience and understanding who they are, you know, and getting in front of the right people. Yeah, it's funny, you know, there's certain topics in, in finance and investing, whether it's real estate or commercial, definitely one of them where people are at dis-ease. They don't understand it. They aren't comfortable. They don't understand the reach. They think that they actually have to have all the money in the bank to extend themselves. They don't understand about how they can leverage. Um, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm assuming, um, misbeliefs that you actually correct along the way when you're painting the picture of how people can do X, Y, and Z. 100%. You know, that my, my biggest hang up that people have, you know, there's three. One hang up is time. And I think that goes pretty much across the board for everybody that's looking to get into any venture. It's like, do I have the time to do it? So I have to show these people like the statement I made about hiring professionals and letting them do what they do best. We're not doing management and marketing and collections and operations. We're basically transactioneers, if you will. We find the projects, we pre-screen them, evaluate them, structure them, negotiate them, and then we facilitate by hiring the professionals. So once I have to get that across to everybody and say, look, it doesn't have to be in your backyard. You know, I mean, I buy and sell projects all across the nation. And I, I rarely, you know, leave Malibu, especially, you know, during the COVID times. Um, and uh, so, you know, convincing them of that is one, it's the time. And then it's the credit and the money. And you're right, you can leverage. And we do things with creative structures where it's called non-recourse structures, where we're not actually ever using our personal credit. And why would you want to anyway for an investment, right. you know? Yeah. I'm sure you also have people who are like, why would I ever invest a million dollars into this 300 storage unit? I'm going to have to be managing those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making collection calls, you know? Right. You, what happens when they leave their stuff in the storage unit? And I, what do I do then? Do I call like pawn hoarders, hunters, whatever, you know, storage junkie wars? Like, what do I do? <laughs> right. 
Yeah, yeah get the old store doors out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it all comes down for me, you know, with marketing and getting in front of the right people, Stacy. It's, it's important for me to go after the right audience. And, you know, some of the, some of the mediums that we use, obviously, I mentioned uh, a lot of CBS radio and, and uh, that kind of uh, broadcasting outward. But the flaw with that is, you know, it's it, a lot of times it streams across the world. I mean, and, and so it's not uh, hyper effective where a lot of times if we do other type of, uh, you know, back when Facebook allowed you to control your audience, it was very easy. And we made a lot of money and we made a lot of contacts because, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram allowed us to get out there on the social platforms and even LinkedIn and push the right message to the right person. And obviously they tightened all that up now, especially with getting the- even harder, like yeah. in the last month and weeks ahead, it's getting really difficult for people to use these uh, platforms that they've spent potentially hundreds, if not millions of dollars building their audiences on and now actually being able to dial into them anymore. Everyone's trying to figure out the algorithm and it's, it, you can't, you know, it's like you're, unless you maybe work for Google behind the scenes, but I'm sure you sign some paperwork that gets you in trouble if you, if you right. But yeah, I mean, if, if everybody had the answers, it would make things a lot easier. But since that's not the case, um, again, back to content and, and getting goodwill content out there is just the best thing that anybody can do in their business. That, and I encourage all your listeners, if they have it, it's very easy to self-publish a book. And it doesn't have, my book is, um, you know, it's 110 pages. I mean, and the reason why it's 110 pages is because I want them to digest it in one sitting. Because if you read a couple of pages, you put it down and all of a sudden something goes on top of it and it disappears out of sight, out of mind. They don't go back to it. Right. You know? Who cares if they read one chapter? You want them to get to the end. You want them to get to the end. Because there's always, so, so when, when we actually put together um, these, types of, uh, these types of books, um, and I've, I've done close to a dozen of these books, we put it together with a call to action. And that's something uh, along with a sense of urgency. And you want to give solid, straight to the point, you know, meat and potatoes type of content, regardless of what industry someone might be in. But that's my approach and how I find that it works best. And then you also want to give them what we refer to as a shameless bribe. And we, we say that, and I, I don't mean to be ugly by saying the word bribe, but shameless bribe is kind of a joke. And what we do, though, is we offer them something for saying thank you, giving appreciation, showing respect. And by giving them something, um, they need to go to actual website. When they go to that website, what do they see now? More content. And they register and you capture their email and now they're part of your inner circle. Everything that most of your listeners already know. And what's great about that is once you do capture their information, then you want them to get into it again. So you can actually whitelist them. So they actually receive your, your, your emails. And that's another big thing about email marketing. When we do our email marketing, I, I had a very large list. And what I found was that the open rate was, was okay, but it wasn't great because people were not even receiving the the email in the right space so what we did and there's all different types of marketers that can put this together for anybody is we went and started cleaning up the list and even though we were only now taking it you know from from a massive list to a shorter list we segment the list and then we're sending information that's relevant to those people and and by doing so it our open rate went through the roof which is great and then we can get more people on and then I do also lots of uh, lots of webinars, which are uh, live training calls, and I do them in a different fashion. Everyone else out there is doing PowerPoint for for visual stimulation, and you know 
what I do is I put the camera on me, just like I'm speaking with you here, Stacy, and I have a whiteboard behind me, um, which is right over here to the right in my office, which I shared with you. And um, I go unscripted and just real. And I just, I have my bullet points of what I'm going to be teaching about, and I just go for it. And people dig it. And then during the end, uh, close to the end of the call, um, I, I call it the close, but we're not closing anybody. But what I say is, you know, hey, if you like what you're, what you're hearing uh, and you want to engage with me, just put your number in the GoToWebinar control panel and uh, I'll, I'll reach out to you and we can have a casual conversation and see if we're a fit. And I, I tell them, I say, I don't work with everybody, but, you know, if this is for you, we can get together and we can make things happen. Great. Just pop your number in there. No one else can see it. I don't rent, sell, or share your information. This is just for us. And I create relationships with people like that. And, I and if you're not ready right now, maybe you will be on the next call that you're on. Yep, absolutely. Okay. I, had a, I had a gentleman who recently joined me that said that he followed me for about six months before he took action. Because yeah. it took that person that amount of time. And I have another client just recently that saw me one time. I spoke with them, one conversation, and they joined. So everybody joins, and that's the thing about understanding the market and understanding your offer. And everyone, I encourage to stay true to, to what it is that you are offering. Don't bend, don't discount. You know, if they're not for you, it's okay. Because so many people do that. All of a sudden they say, oh, this is, I need to do a cafeteria approach where I can let people get in at a lesser dollar amount and try to work this, this strategy. And um, I just don't do that. It's either you're in or out and that's it. And I don't ever you know, discount or devalue myself because it, you know, it gets to your core. You know, you want to make sure that you understand exactly what your worth is. And this applies to any business. And this applies whether you're going out to consumers or going out to other businesses as a service business, you know, even with our agency, what, when we started that newsletter and the reason why we started the blog, we turned it into the newsletter and we kept on growing that is we would have countless proposals that we do. We had these rocking conversations. They were so awesome. We connected on the phone. They showed us theirs. We showed up our ours. Everyone was like loving each other. And then we'd spend hours, days putting together proposals that were customized and fantastic. And it captured the spirit of what we talked about. Mm -hmm. And then it was crickets that get it. We'd not hear from them like possibly ever again. And when we changed what we did, where we added, you know, drip campaigns of emails with education, with, you know, things that were automated <laughs> when we were enrolling them in our processes, we use HubSpot um, so that it's not me or a team member frantically trying to remember every last person we've ever talked to and, oh, we should go touch them. And you create sequences and you have this automated way of reaching back into the people's lives, but doing so not salesy, but touching them with more education, more helpfulness that they can always opt out of. What we saw was that, you know, a year later, 18 months later, six months later, whenever, they'd come back to us instead of just being gone because they weren't ready for that conversation. And most people aren't actually ready the first conversation you have. They need that time to like sink in, think about something. And if you're there and you're reassuring them and you're touching them, you're their go-to when they are ready. Mm -hmm. I agree. And that's, that's the thing, you know, uh, it's, I relate it to, you know, brokers in my business for commercial real estate. They give this, this, you know, false hope. They tell the, the owners, hey, we can go ahead and, and achieve this price point. And then it sits on the market stagnant for six months. And all of a sudden the price drops, right? Um, and, and then it finally trades. 
So the same thing goes with what I find um, on my customer base uh, and clients that come through. A lot of times they'll go and start feeding into chasing the next shiny thing. And then they go with my so-called competitors that are out there that have mediocre broken systems. They pay a fee, they join it, they, they have instant failure. There's a full disconnect. It wasn't what they thought it was going to be. There's no support and support is huge. Like in my business, like I monitor my email, my email support at terryhale.com. And I monitor it because that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm all about supporting people in their dreams and endeavors to help, help them achieve success. And, and, you know, I think I justify that because it's not a charity event. Um, when I partner with people, it's, it's on, you know, a limited partnership basis. So we're moving forward together to make, make money and build wealth. And the same thing goes with, with my so-called competitors that are not providing that. So I, I think if you give huge value add, like you said, in content and support, it changes the dynamic of that, that deal. 100%. Well, Terry, how can our listeners learn more about you? Where can they go? Because, you know, you have a brand, so I bet you're able to be found online. Yeah. And fortunate for me, I own terryhill.com. So they can, just, <laughs> they can just go to my name, which is right here, Terry, T-E-R-Y, Hale, H-A-L-E, dot com. And they can always shoot me an email to uh, to the email I just dropped, which was support at terryhill.com. Um, if you go to my website, you'll see uh, all about me, see tons of video, tons of content. And who knows, maybe you'll be intrigued to do some business with me too. <laughs> and this has been fantastic. Really enjoyed speaking with you because I really do think you have encapsulated how you do educational marketing to a T. And not everyone can. And not everyone does. And, you know, those on the speaker circuit, you know, your Tony Robbins, your different individuals who are out there, they've figured this out. They have the audio, they have the um, CDs, but now DVDs now and whatever, P3s, whatever you might want to have. So it, it doesn't mean that it's just one type of individual, one type of business. This transcends industries and it's the same makeup, the same capabilities across anything where you're trying to get people to understand your business and become clients. Right. Yeah. Appreciate you having me, Stacey. And I agree with you hundred um, percent. It's all about content as king as we were talking and getting out there, putting the message to the market and making things happen. So I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me on, on the podcast here. Of course. Well, thank you again, Terry, so much. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and how to avoid them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week.